Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. No one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to them very thoughtfully. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying we're going to pay for everything we spend. Is it transphobic to say only women have a cervix? Yes or no? Uh, look, uh, 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 is it is it transphobic? Uh, look, uh, <laughs> is there a doctor available? Oh my goodness! What the hell is going on? I'm, All right, I'm going to take a stand right here, mm-hmm. right now. Only women have a cervix. Was that so hard? I don't know. I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, I don't know what birthing people have and don't have anymore. But that's the. By the way, do you think how long do you think we this madness lasts? I mean, does does this all explode together? Because we're all we're all playing make believe, make believe. When somebody says that you, that that. That that question should make somebody that uncomfortable means somewhere something happened that made so many people who were once, I think, sane people so guilt-ridden and afraid of something happened. I don't know where, Mm -hmm. but normal people don't say that. And I know that half the country does, maybe half the world does now. But and I had, I probably, it was probably 2015, I I had a conversation Mm -hmm. when the Bruce Jenner stuff happened. And 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 she was, and he said that he was now a woman, etc. And I had a debate at Herald Radio with people in their twenties, uh, early twenties. One of them, of course, is in academia now. And I said, "Oh, I said, guys, you know, there's no way 
he can say whatever he wants about whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He is biologically male, no matter what. That is that is, and they said no, absolutely not, because he doesn't identify as male. I said, but it doesn't matter, because in a thousand years, when they find the body and the the fossil, whatever, it's going to be a male. It doesn't. He can say whatever. It doesn't matter. They said no. He's just as much a woman as any other woman because he identifies as him. Mm-hmm. And I said to one of the one of the ladies there, I said, I said, um, that's not true. He doesn't have a female biology. And she said, well, what do you mean exactly? Angry. They, she was angry. College had taught these people to be angry. And I said, well, for instance, he can't have children. He doesn't have whatever to have children. To which she exploded at me and said she probably also was unable, unable to have children due to whatever she was born with. Mm-hmm. And so does that make her not a woman? So Right. So that I was now indicting her because it was so important that Bruce Jenner's feelings not be hurt from 3,000 miles away. That <laughs> So we all had to so so make play make-believe so much. Well, so also, that- you or I can't do anything to Bruce or Caitlyn Jenner because he or she is a rich person and a celebrity and has everything they want in their life and everything else. Like, if I say, if I call Bruce Jenner he or him over here on our podcast that many, many, many people listen to, but mm-hmm. not enough so that I think Bruce Jenner's heard of it, um, he's not going to know. It's not going to affect him. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, but even He's still so, going to wake it- up tomorrow morning wealthier than and more uh, validated and affirmed right. in life but, than you but or I even will. so, why does he get to change the rules, not for just himself, but for us? Suddenly he gets to change the rules. Mm-hmm. We're now in trouble. He's yeah. decided it all changed. What we've learned, et cetera, has all changed. And suddenly it's an offense. Mm-hmm. What wasn't an offense four years ago is now an offense. And <sighs> so... Well, and the Jenna thing to me is kind of interesting because, I mean, if you read, like those types of magazines like us weekly or star magazine or whatever there had been rumors about this for a while before Mm -hmm. um caitlin jenner appeared on the scene and um and it was sort of like almost too wild to believe that that could be true that somebody who was that famous and you know a paragon of masculinity Mm -hmm. really as an athlete and Mm -hmm. all this stuff that would come out as transgender and declare that they were actually a woman the whole time. Like, I really, I couldn't have imagined it. At the time that there were those rumors about Bruce Jenner where people were speculating about, like, his surgeries on his face and saying, like, is he trying to look more feminine and all mm-hmm. this stuff? Like, I kind of just assumed it was just, like, not great facelifts and stuff. And, um, you know, and, and I, I couldn't imagine that that would be true, that Bruce Jenner would come out as transgender. And, you know, it's so rapidly shifted in such a short amount of time that now it's like everybody seems to be transgender. Oh, no, absolutely. And there's no way everybody is. And by the way, this thing, like we used to play the Monty Python thing, you know, where's the fetus going to gestate in a box uh, from Life of Brian uh, to laugh at this the, uh, as if it was even a possibility mm-hmm. that you you can say that you're a man or that's fine. And you can separating gender from biology, identify whatever you can. I guess you can identify. You have the right to identify as anything you want. But okay, the fact but- is, making me identify you as whatever you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, but also, it's helpful when words that mean specific things continue to mean those specific things, because otherwise, you lose 
a lot of meaning in your language, right? Like, so in Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, he talks about this phenomenon where, you know, the word gentleman used to mean like a particular class of person who was like part of the landed aristocracy and it meant this particular thing and that was a useful word but now the word gentleman just means somebody who's nice mm-hmm. if you call somebody a gentleman which is like fine but we already had words for nice and you know we didn't have a word for gentleman other than that so now if it just means nice now we've lost something because now we just have a duplicate word for nice and you know not something else so if the word woman doesn't mean woman anymore but means like some new thing where it's like what you feel like in your head today you know then that's fine but like now we don't have a word for what a woman is which used to be kind of a useful category in my opinion you know like because but but they're actually trying to erase the distinction like they don't believe there's a meaningful distinction between men and women right like they think that deciding like the people who are not most regular people, but the people who are really activists about this, because I've known some people that have been really into this for a while, so I've followed what they've been saying about this for a long time. What they really and honestly believe about transgenderism is that is that when you're born, the doctor, for some reason, we as a society have decided that doctors are going to look at this random part of your anatomy and declare based on how big or small it is, which occurs as far as they're concerned on sort of a spectrum and not really in two distinct categories, they're going to decide how you're going to live your life in society, even though that doesn't determine anything. You know, they might as well decide to determine your whole life based on whether or not you have attached earlobes when you come out of the womb and that, that they've just decided this. We've, as a society, for some reason randomly all the societies on the earth have decided to do this inexplicable thing Mm -hmm. um, where we separate people into categories based on their genitals where they're born and that everything else surrounding gender arises up out of that and the category itself really has no meaning you know and so that's why they want to erase the language of like man and woman and everything else because they believe that those are not legitimate meaningful categories but they actually are as evidenced by the fact that we now have to make up all these new stupid crazy words like birthing person and chest feeding and to to define categories that never needed defining anymore uh, before because they were all enveloped in a very easy category that made sense and encompassed all of that historically in modern day like biologically in every possible sense that category encompassed everything that you needed to say when you said woman but now since woman just means, like, a person who, you know, likes to wear mascara and dresses, then, like, then then it doesn't encompass any of that anymore. So now we're left without the category woman and we have to make up stupid words. When did we make it okay to be petulant to the point where society has to bend to you? Well, they would say... If it, that you would be petulant if people persisted in calling you a girl. But to be totally honest, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't care. But if everyone around you kept calling you, you know, Tina and, and you know, a girl's name and used girl pronouns about you all the time and, like, put you in the 
I would not Girls run around and scream school. and say my life has been put in danger. <laughs> I wouldn't care. First of all, I, but that's different. I, I mean, but like a t- a kid, a kid in school, like mm-hmm. a boy, might like feel bad about himself and be driven. You know, I'm playing devil's advocate, but like a boy, like a middle school boy, if was like being picked on by the other kids and called a girl's name and a girl and they kept acting like he was a girl, that would be like traumatizing at a certain age for a boy, right? I guess so. So they're saying it's the same thing, that this person legitimately feels like they're the opposite gender and like, who are you to say it's not exactly the same thing? That like, if you wouldn't like being called the wrong gender all the time, then like, and they're, because they believe that that person's being called the wrong gender. Well, I mean, I would have a peace of mind in the sense that I have, um, as modest as it might be, uh, male apparatus, <laughs> Alice. Uh, so I, it, I would only be so hurt. So well, I yeah, would but know they don't have I, any peace of mind because they're but, not. So that makes it harder. Their self-perception is based entirely upon what other people think of them because they they believe that their actual biological gender is determined by, you know, looking like it and people thinking you are it. So, you know, if it last time I checked, I thought we were supposed to not teach kids to base their entire reality of who they think they are on, you know, how other people perceive them. But what do I know? All right, so I don't want to, I didn't even mean to start on this, it's just that's so amazing. Here's the full audio. This is Nick Ferrari of the BBC talking to um, Rachel Reeves of the Labour Party, asking her this question. Just watch how she just totally, uh, eventually just crumbles after so many tremors. I wonder if I can start, we've talked about many things down the years, Rachel Reeves, but I have to put it to you, the same question that was put to the party leader. Is it transphobic to say only women have a cervix? Good morning. Good morning, Nick, and it's great to talk to you. I just think that this issue has just become so divisive and toxic and it pits people against each other, both groups who face discrimination in society, women and trans women. And I just find this debate incredibly unhelpful and and, and unproductive, to be totally honest. At this conference, I want to speak about issues that affect people, whatever their gender and 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 whatever their sexuality. But is it transphobic, yes or no? Is it is it transphobic? Look, I just I don't even know how to start answering these questions. I I just don't find them. I just don't find them. The party leader suggests it is. So, what what do you, as shadow chancellor, say? I think that people should be able to identify with the gender that they feel comfortable Respectfully, with. Respectfully, shadow chancellor, that wasn't my question. My question is: Is it transphobic to say only women have a cervix? It's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Why is that? Because if if somebody I'd look, I, 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 why are we having to discuss parts of women's anatomy because on, one of on your the colli- radio? Because one of your colleagues feels unable to attend your conference, and she should feel safe attending our conference. But I don't feel comfortable talking about women's anatomies and different parts of women's bodies with you, uh, Nick, or, or frankly with anybody else. But if somebody identifies. As, as a woman and a man, or a man, they should be able to do so, whatever their body parts are. You know, and this is part of a trend. Like, The Lancet just got slammed. This is a scientific journal because they came out with a big opinion piece that uh, the 
headline of the piece was historically the anatomy and physiology of bodies with vaginas have been neglected. (laughs) (coughs) So where though, if you're going to have science at all, how can you in your scientific formulations, how can you add in the feelings and sensitivities of others and still have a credible clinical experiment? Um, it, I would believe that you can't. It's the same way with the, with the coronavirus stuff where scientifically you can't be in groups and Black Lives Matter does it. And then scientifically that one's okay. Well, did you see the thing today? This, I think this was in the Boston Globe. This thing about the masks in schools, Massachusetts extended, um, the mask mandate thing until november one in the schools um and then it's like up to the schools what to do Mm -hmm. after that but in the boston globe article about it they quote dr shira doron an infectious disease physician at tufts medical center who said that it's not uh needed for scientific reasons it's needed to provide a level of comfort to ease the anxiety of people in the school buildings and their families wait a second we need a little more time for people to see and feel it's safe and we don't have an out-of-control outbreak situation. So wait a second. Wait, what is, what is, she, what is her title? She's the uh, infectious disease physician and hospital epidemiologist at Tufts Medical Center who has been advising the state. And, and uh, doctor said, of psychology too, or no? She said that the plan to extend universal masking makes sense, though not for scientific reasons. It's needed to provide a level of comfort to ease the anxiety of people in the school buildings and their families, she said. We need a little more time for people to see and feel it's safe. And That's we don't psychotic. Have That's psychotic. How did I not see that? Is that from brand new? Did you send that to me? Um, this was sent to me by a friend today. That is completely and totally psychotic. That is crazy. So she, why is she used as a medical principal in this story? By the way, um, if or if this is out of her purview, it would seem what, so. <laughs> yes, my God! Oh, everything is effed. Everything is stupid. What a time! What a time! You know what? It, they start coming in with the exceptions. Now it's not scientific anymore. Believe the science and then believe what feels good and believe how it mm-hmm. makes you feel. We and need the mandate. It makes you feel good to believe that a cervix is determinative in what somebody is, then do it. And if it doesn't, then don't do it. This is... Uh, okay, we need to be uh, nuked <laughs> and destroyed. This I'm done with this earth. I'm done. Okay. Hmm. Speaking of uh, drone strikes on civilians, today was by far... Today was by far the most, I don't know if it's damaging, because damaging has a lot to do with how much information the media is going to disseminate to people. But today was on the merits, just simply on record, on the record, the most devastating day for the Biden administration. Essentially, we put a bow on his incompetence in Afghanistan. You had uh, Mark Milley, McKenzie, the guy runs CENTCOM, and uh, Lloyd Austin on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And among other things, of course, the big question is, why did Biden 
pull the troops out in such a hurry? Why did he pull the troops out? Mm-hmm. You guys are the primary advisors to him. Well, why did he well, do I this? Well, I think because it could not possibly have been predicted how fast it collapsed. Nobody could possibly have known that. I mean, Biden said that a bunch of times. Nobody knew that. Right. So Biden, um, do you remember last month, Biden, uh, George Stephanopoulos said, did anybody tell you to keep some people there? Anybody tell you to keep some people there? And Stephanopoulos uses 2,500 because that's what was leaked to him by probably Mark Milley and everybody else. Mark Milley seems to be a prolific leaker. Absolutely. Well, here he is. The president has not shied away. No, no, that's not him. Um, where's Steph? Here we go. No one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. What is, that is... It's a helpful little extra right. clause at the end of that sentence. That so here's I think helps uh, him out. General McKenzie in short today. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I'm confident that the president heard all the recommendations and listened to them very thoughtfully. So now here's Tom Cotton going through Gener- General Milley, General um, McKenzie, and Lloyd Austin. I can tell you my personal opinion and my assessment if that's what you want. Yes, please. Um, Yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout, that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated, gated solution. Did you, uh, present, did you ever present that assessment personally to President Biden? I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm okay. always candid. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Um, did you ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? Again, I'm not going to be able to comment on uh, those executive discussions. Yeah, he's going to be able to only leak those discussions. Did General Miller ever present that opinion personally to President Biden? I think it would be best to ask him. I believe that his opinion was well heard. Uh, Secretary Austin, uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence in Afghanistan. Is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Senator Cotton, I, uh, I believe that, uh, well, first of all, I, I know the president to be an honest and forthright man. Oh. Uh, and just, secondly. Just a, it's a simple question, Secretary Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him oh. to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Trying to salvage his soul right there. Please show mercy upon Mr. Biden. He is a forthright and honest man. Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said. They can't, he can't say it. Their input was received and presented to the president, for sure. That is uh, what we call solidarity, Alice. Those three gentlemen are uh, in solidarity that they told the oak tree in the White House to keep troops there, to not do this. And they spoke with uh, one voice Mm -hmm. and told him, no, you can't do it this way. And he said, hell with it. We're doing it anyway. Which is, of course, why this entire thing collapsed. This is devastating. This is horrible. This tells you that everything he said subsequently, everything he said, 
You know, everything he said in the, the, the Steph, that um, Saki's still saying. Oh, the, you know, we'll, we'll play Saki right here, actually, talking about this. The president has not shied away from the historical implications of leaving Afghanistan. He's noted that it was time to end a 20-year war. He has said that he is not going to pass this war on to a fifth president. So given that he understands the gravity and he has framed it in the historical context, um, I know that you said you're not going to detail private conversations, but can you give us a little bit more of an explanation as to why not? Don't the, you know, doesn't the American public, given the historical gravity of that decision, don't they deserve to know who was advising the president who was on the other side of that argument about leaving troops in Afghanistan? I, I would say first that what the American public can know and understand is that uh, the president will welcome and take uh, and ask for and push for a range of opinions on every national security decision that he makes. Um, and we're not going to detail those uh, private discussions, private decisions that happen in the situation room for the public. What the president has also been very candid and clear about, and will continue to be, and you outlined much of this, is why he made the decision that he made. And even as it relates to the recommendation on 2500, it's also important for the American public to understand that was not going to be a sustainable number over the long term. And what the decision he was making was about was not sending their daughters, their sons, their grandchildren back to fight a war that the Afghans would not fight themselves. And it was about a phase, not a long-term recommendation. Ooh. Back to that filthy line about the Afghans would not fight themselves. Of mm -hmm. course, in the last five months. We yeah, and the implication. Through, He's we, not going to send your sons and daughters right. into this anymore. Well, How many more have to die? He withdrew. Uh, we withdrew all the support uh, capabilities for the Afghans. So it was yeah, expedited. We didn't uh, let them have the people who maintain the planes, who were offering to stay, who are contractors. Right. And for her to say it's not a long-term fix, the 2500 is like, I guess I will never know, you know? Guess who knows? Because they're gone, and all that remains are a bunch of. Anyway, it was all bad news during these hearings uh, today. It's going to sure be interesting when the books are written of the well in the future of like the history of the administration. You know, twenty years from now or whatever. So what happens now? What happens if you're Joe Biden? The Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of Defense, your CENTCOM guy have all just stabbed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we told him. In front of Congress. That is a tough look. That is Now, if you had a press, obviously, you would have Biden respond directly to them. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, and vice versa, and vice versa. But we'll see what happens. But this is, I mean, it just, just goes to show you, well, that's, that's it. I mean, it is what exactly the disaster we think it is, it is. I don't expect that, uh, that, um, Mayorkas on the border is going to last very long. He's, I don't think these guys can last very long, as a matter of fact. I mean, Trump had all sorts of turnover, but I don't know if we had in one of these. I've never seen one of these where the president, the civilian leader of a country, is con is contradicted directly by military advisors, probably because those guys saw what happened last month and were heartbroken, devastated by it. Yeah, I mean, I... So, you know, obviously, like, when the Afghanistan thing happened, there was, like, all this speculation. Like, oh, this will be out of the news. Americans don't care about foreign policy, this, that, the other thing. But it really speaks to more than foreign policy. This is really, like, a judgment thing. You know, when you're talking about 
people elected Biden for like the normalcy and to not have a hothead in the White House or with the nuclear football or whatever, that they didn't want Trump, who was unpredictable and might make bad decisions that went against what the experts were telling him. You know, if you have all Biden's experts in here telling him that, you know, you need to do this or there's going to be a bad result and then he does it and he doesn't listen to them and there's a bad result and the American people really don't like the result, you know. He can lecture us about how this was the only way it was going to end until he's blue in the face. But the American people do not like what happened in Afghanistan. It was a bad look. Mm -hmm. There's still American citizens stuck there. You know, we lost 13 service members completely unnecessarily. This whole thing was a disaster of epic proportions. And a lot of people, you know, even people who wanted to be out of Afghanistan hate that this happened and happened this way. So it's it's very bad for Biden, I think, that this continues to be in the news cycle, that uh, that they said what they did in front of Congress and, um, you know, made a liar out of him, essentially. Um, yeah, Millie said that we were diminished on a world stage, essentially. Uh, like you said, uh, they said that they had given the president warning. They said that the president didn't check with them till 10 days after mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the fall of Kabul. It paints a picture of a stubborn old man who's not listening to anybody and is just doing what he feels like he wants to do without any input. I mean, it's it's the worst possible look. And his approval has been in free fall since this happened. And I mean, like, I don't I don't think this is going to do him any favors that this has gone on now either. You know, it's it's obviously not as high profile as the events themselves were, but. You know, these quotes are out here now, and this is, I mean, Millie especially seems to be like Mr. Leak. So he's like, oh, yeah, going well. Now you know, he's, he works with Woodward for his Trump books and yeah. all that stuff. He's like, he's pleased with what he did with Trump well, and plus, all the he, things. He's like, also making headlines on purpose when he says that there's more, more likely to be a terrorist attack. Well, then, mm -hmm. and we must remember that the Taliban was and remains a terrorist organization. And they still have not broken ties with Al-Qaeda. I have no illusions who we are dealing with. It remains to be seen whether or not the Taliban can consolidate power or if the country will further fracture into civil war. But we must continue to protect the United States of America and its people from terrorist attacks coming from Afghanistan. A reconstituted Al-Qaeda or ISIS with aspirations to attack the United States is a very real possibility. And those conditions to include activity in ungoverned spaces could present themselves in the next 12 to 36 months. That mission will be much harder now, but not impossible. What happens after 36 months? <sighs> so uh, that's, where we, uh, that's where we are. He said that that the Taliban didn't honor the Trump agreement, uh, which means it wasn't that we weren't held to any agreement because the, the Taliban didn't uh, Trump didn't offer didn't honor it anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really where we are. It was a yeah. tough day, tough day for uh, for the president. This is a tough time with him running around now, and they're down to. They're down to terrible messaging. So now he's down with price tags like like Saki is. The administration is now trying to 
trying to glom onto what probably is, if it passes, their last uh, agenda achievement, legislative achievement anyway, um, with infrastructure telling us it's not costing anything. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, now it's $3.5 trillion, now it's going, is it going to be $2.9. It's going to be zero. After you pay it. <laughs> right. It's going to be zero, he said. I mean, if you're down to that, if that's how you have to try to sell something, mm-hmm. the thing that's the most expensive thing ever, and try to tell people, no, it's the freest thing ever, then you're out of ideas. You're right. just trying to use, you know, hypnotism, you know, to, to move legislation. Well, yeah, it's it's a scam, like every other scam that people try and get you into, where they try and tell you that, like, by spending some money, you know, you just have to buy this thing, or you just have to, you know, get this starter kit, and soon you'll be making money hand over fist, but you have to spend the money in order to, to get the payback. Like, you'll net lots of money, it's true. Like, no, you don't. Like, when you're spending money, you're just spending money. It's, uh... It bothers me a lot that they're going with this line that the bill is free because uh, they're raising taxes to pay for it. It's, I mean, we we talked about it at length yesterday, so I won't do my whole rant again. But, but just the insanity of thinking that that's what people mean when they want to know how much something costs is that they're asking you, you know, how much does it cost after you've raised my taxes to pay for it. Is I mean, like this is why people hate Washington D.C. <laughs> of course it is, of course it is. Uh, which is why it'd be nice to have a new president in there. Which brings me to Governor Death Sentence, Alice. <laughs> in Florida, Ron DeSantis says decline in men going to college is a good sign. Governor says men are choosing trades like boat building over college educations. Governor Ron DeSantis, who is this is uh, from FloridaPolitics.com. DeSantis, who has degrees from Harvard Law and Yale, thinks it might be a good sign fewer men are attending college compared to women. DeSantis, addressing the International Boat Builders Exhibition in Tampa, suggested men aren't going to college as much as women because they are shunning traditional higher education for trades. Here's a quote from DeSantis. There was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal recently about, you know, decline in college for men or something, DeSantis continued, deepening his voice briefly for comic effect to introduce the uh, article highlighting that three and three and five college students are now women with men feeling lost. I guess there was a decline in the number of men, the percentage of men going to college or whatever. And the act like this was a bad thing. And honestly, like, you know, to me, I think that is probably a good sign. Governor added, because I think people are looking at this and they're acknowledging, you know, some of these universities are not giving you very much for your money. You're not necessarily going to get ahead in that. DeSantis said people were choosing to pursue some of these high-demand areas where you're go, where you going to be able to do well with basically no debt, before jumping back to his soften his comments. If you want to go to college, I'm not saying don't, DeSantis advised. This is written very oddly. If you don't want to go to college, I'm not saying don't. Um, if you want to go to college, I'm not saying don't, DeSantis advised. It is very good for a lot of people, but certainly it's not the right thing for everyone. Decrying a perceived stigma against trade education, DeSantis couldn't resist taking one more swipe at people who borrowed money in pursuit of uh, liberal arts degrees. Here's a quote. In fact, kind of the jokes on some of the people who've gone 
the university route and they wind up deep in debt with no opportunities. And so they would have been better off maybe trying something else, DeSanta said, adding a nod to the boat building center sector. I'm sure this industry needs good folks. You have good folks. I mean, driving the trucks, you have good people who are electrical. I mean, it is, there have never been a better time to do it, DeSantis, a graduate of Ivy League universities contended. Um, uh, so, um, I think that yeah. I think that this is. I'm sorry. I'm just watching. Uh, I'm just reading a comment here at the end of this thing, which appears to be a death threat against the <laughs> Um So I think that's great. I think that that absolutely this college bubble, these institutions that are that are charging so much to make kids into a holes with no mm-hmm. discernible skills. Ab, let them crumble, baby. I am all for this. As a cutter myself, I am all for this more than ever. Well, yeah, and it's. DeSantis is an interesting guy. You can tell he reads a lot of news, for sure, because he's, like, so right on where conservative media is and where, like, conservative people are talking about stuff culturally. Like, the fact that he's saying this now at this time just shows that he's, like, so much got his head in the game of that stuff. Um, So that's definitely interesting to me that he's, like... He watches that stuff and reads that stuff and Mm -hmm. is like seeing what's getting shared by conservatives on Twitter. You know, like we did not this particular story about men leaving college, but one a few weeks before that was um, pretty similar. Uh, And, you know, we we talked about that a lot. These are like the conversations that a lot of real people are having. So it's very like on point of the moment. And that's a smart political skill that he has, you know, to be in the right conversation at the right time when, you know, like a lot of these governors that do have like pretty good conservative chops on paper, like just don't have that necessarily. Like, remember when Asa Hutchinson went on Tucker and just got eviscerated over mm-hmm. the trans stuff? And like, I mean, like, how do you not know the conversations that conservatives are having around this stuff and like what Tucker's point on it is and everything and not know you're going to get destroyed when you go on there? I, I don't. I don't know. I think that he was desperately hoping for a lifeline. He thought, there's a chance I'm going to go in here and get mauled. There's a chance this guy bails me out, and uh, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. But I feel like that wouldn't happen to DeSantis because he is so aware of the conversations that yep. are happening, <clears throat> you know, in, in that world, our world, kind of. You know, the, he's reading the same tweets that we're reading, basically, totally. when which we is, do which show is, prep, which is, one which of the is reasons, funny to me. Which is one of the reasons people who liked Trump like him because mm-hmm. he's all the good stuff about Trump with seemingly not the bad stuff. Right. And it's like a, just a better version. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can speak plainly like this and talk like this about, co- I mean, when you're saying, when you're dissing college and even dissing college for trade school, this is something that at least since almost the last hundred years or so, that is counter to the American narrative. Mm-hmm. You are to work hard, and finally, since you're we're a new country still, that you might be at this point the third generation in your family to get a chance to go to college, mm-hmm. to get a liberal arts degree, and to eschew that <coughs> as being something that's a waste of time. It is still, I mean, I still think that most generally parents and people are mm-hmm. going for the status. It's right. all about the parents. Mm-hmm. No, to just to say, I, and I don't know. I mean, will I have that? I don't think so. Well, yeah, and I think that it's something in particular that 
um, the type of people that are into Trump uh, really feel very keenly because it's one of these things that, I mean, the college non-college <clears throat> divide is like the biggest predictor of Trump support mm -hmm. amongst everything else that there is. And I think that part of the reason for that is because there is this kind of weird friction around the status symbol of college. I mean, I think there are a lot of people, like the type of people who would never vote for Trump, who, you know, who still like just think about you a little bit differently if you didn't go to college or didn't mm -hmm. finish college or whatever. And, you know, there's and, and and people feel that, you know, and it very much cuts to the heart of like what the Trump thing is and the way people talked about Trump and talked down about him and the way he dressed and his just uncouthness. And he just he didn't have it, like the social signals of the type of status that mm -hmm. going to college and being a college person gets you. And I think that um, that a lot of Trump people have that. It's a lot of like small business owners who didn't mm -hmm. go to college. It's a lot of trades people who didn't go to college and have done really well for themselves in life in, in a lot of cases. Not always. You know, some of the people are struggling, but, but a lot of Trump voters are doing okay. But they still feel this just disdain from a lot of the people that were telling them not to vote for Trump. Right. And they feel it for the, they hear the same thing in their voice when they talk about Trump as mm -hmm. when they talk about them and them not having college degrees and everything else. And and so I think that that, that in particular, that thing about um, going to college or not going to college and how people feel about it, because it's really a big part of the thing about sending your kids to college is about, you know, how it makes you feel inside to tell people that your kid is going to whatever school. I mean, I even thought it was interesting when we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago on our podcast, somebody made the YouTube comment and it really stuck with me. And they said they're in um, IT, mm -hmm. which is another great field that you can get into without having college. Right. Um, he said, you know, he used to feel really like he missed out by not having gone to college and that, you know, now he's glad he didn't go. And I think that that's going to be something that we hear more and more of it, as people realize that, that there's nothing to this that like you've been looked down on and told you're not as smart and you just you don't have the right background or the right credentials your whole life and the people with all the credentials really didn't know much more than you did and i think that's right and i think you hit the nail on the head and for a lot of people that's why trump was a middle finger mm -hmm. to those people and i also think that some people who are very credentialed who went to college also have a certain disdain for others who mm -hmm. I think they think act elitist and act way, uh, you know, just act in an arrogant fashion and carry themselves. Right. And so they're saying, you know what? I'm not even the MAGA hat kind of guy, but I'm getting one for this election because you're an a-hole and you always mm -hmm. have been. Yeah. It's funny. You and I had a conversation off the air last night a little bit just about growing up. You grew up in Winchester and I grew mm -hmm. up in Lexington about growing up in towns where, you know, you're not necessarily you're on the scrappy ragged edge of the middle class or whatever. <laughs> you know, Elizabeth Warren said, and I had a great life and you had a great life in many, many ways. Mm -hmm. But we weren't both of us like weren't necessarily exactly the typical kid in those towns. And both of us, I think, in various ways sometimes felt it, 
You know, and I I think that there's like a lot of that in Trump support in mm-hmm. because like a lot of the people in those towns now in Lexington and in Winchester and in Wellesley and in towns like that, they can't imagine why someone would vote for Trump. Right. And it really like because, you know, they don't know anyone who thinks that way or would vote that way. And like you and I both know because we like live among them and we've like passed mm-hmm. through their ranks unrecognized that that. You know, it's because they wouldn't they just assume that you're like them if you're in your ranks and you can sort of pass a little bit for them. And they and and they so, you know, you hide what you're like from them because they they can't relate to you. They don't know who you are because they don't want to know because they're not interested. They can't imagine people that are different from them in their world. Right. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And it is an interesting thing coming from a town but not having the, especially a very nice town. These mm-hmm. are these are very very nice towns. It's a couple of the nicest towns in Massachusetts, but not having the that typical town experience. Right, like it's totally different. <clears throat> and yeah, yeah, especially where we were. I mean, in it's not a story that's interesting. Really, it was a really ideal childhood. And it wasn't a tough childhood. In me, yeah, in no, I didn't. Well. I, my life was not hard, but <laughs> it's just interesting because there's there's something there to that, you know, kind of being forced into a situation with people who like really cannot imagine what your life is like. Which brings us to Winchester, <laughs> Mark Milley. Mark Milley, Winchester guy, but he grew up in the good part of Winchester. Oh. You know who else did? He has a Boston accent, though. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Mark Milley. And you know who else grew up in a good part of Winchester? He grew up in a better part than me. How about this? Okay. Um, Glenn Doherty. Okay. Pete Gustin. Who does, he's a big mm-hmm. voice guy for Fox News. He's the and... guy who does Fox News. Mark Ockerbloom. Those guys, Gustin and Ockerbloom, grew up on the hillside cascading down from Lexington. That's where the money mm-hmm. was. And, and go ahead. And... Who recently defended our chicken shirts? Exactly, Kirk Minahan. The Minahans, yes. Kirk lived on the the beautiful. He's from person the good side. part. He's from the good part. What is it? Is it like Johnson Street? Exactly, Johnson one, Road, right? Johnson exactly, Road. Yeah. the one leading to Lexington, mm-hmm. which is why he talks about actually on his podcast about jogging. He lives in Lexington now, jogging oh, okay. into uh, Winchester all the time, and I assume that's why you know he's probably still around that area there. It's, mm-hmm. Sure it is nice. a great town, and both are great towns. And I, you know, I, I had lots of great things about growing up there. Mm-hmm. But you know, but it is interesting. It does give you insight when you're sort of like partially on the inside, but not quite mm-hmm. into like how that universe works. Yeah, I, you know, as a kid, and you can see this from my graduation picture. I always wondered, like, how do I, how do all the guys in my class all know how to dress so awesome? How do they all have the right hair at the right time? I still had my mullet in 1991, whatever. They didn't. They got rid of those years ago before. They all had the new 90210 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, they all knew how to drive the right cars. They all had a certain kind of confidence and rapport. Not they all, but but a lot of them in in the school. It's like because they had very similar upbringings. With moms who made sure that they had the new right haircut at the right mm-hmm. time. It was really important, etc. Mm-hmm. And I hate yeah. those bastards. Okay? <laughs> yeah, remember a couple of years ago <laughs> at Christmas, I got the kids the um, the like little Fitbit watches and they mm-hmm. all were competing. And like it just happened that that year, like every parent all got their kids 
little Fitbit watches and they all like had them at school and were competing with each other. And, you know, it lasted like two months and then nobody used them anymore. But um, it was funny because, you know, they came home after winter break had ended and they were like, oh, guess what? Everybody else has them, too. We all have the same ones. And, you know, your brother turned to us and went, imagine what's, what that's like getting the present that everybody's supposed to get that year. <laughs> Never happened to me. <laughs> it was a coincidence that year, though. It normally doesn't happen for our kids either. So never fear. They'll grow up sufficiently traumatized and uh, destroyed by their childhoods to to make something of themselves. So, uh, yeah, that that happened once and it'll never happen again. But every once in a while you hit it as a parent. But All right, Alice. You know what? Uh, did I have something else to say? Did we have anything else in the show notes, Alice, that we needed to bring up? Um, Not sure if we did, or we'll see. Um, no, no. Well, the basketball <coughs> players, no, you don't want to talk about no, the basketball bunch of players. NBA players are coming out against the vaccines. Are questioning these really intelligent guys speaking intelligently about it, and it's interesting to see just any young men at all. Needless to say, uh, athletes who sometimes aren't the brightest of the pack, mm-hmm. but these guys are really bright. And they have vaccine um, questions. Well, and some of them have had COVID, so right. they don't so feel they need to get vaccinated. Here's Jonathan Isaac. He's uh, one of these guys. Your comments that appeared on that about you not getting a vaccination, um, why you don't want to get Orlando a vaccination, Magic. and were, were you misquoted in that article? I, I would just I would start by saying that that I, I was pretty badly um, misrepresented um, in the Rolling Stone article. Uh, and, and because of that, I can understand anyone who may say they don't uh, transparently or overtly trust um, the media. Uh, in, in a frustrated tweet yesterday, I had noted that uh, true journalism was dying. Um, yeah, yeah. That I would say Kid that needs I to appreciate run every single one of you, <laughs> uh, those that try their best to um, correctly um, uh, share the thoughts, the ideas, and the, the heart of the people that they're asking questions of. Uh, I'm, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-science. Uh, I didn't come to my current vaccination status by studying black history or watching Donald Trump press conferences. <laughs> I have nothing but the utmost respect for every... Damn, this kid's awesome. Yeah. I hadn't heard this cut before. Every healthcare um, worker in person in Orlando and all across the world that have worked tirelessly to keep us safe. Uh, my mom has worked in healthcare for a really long time. Um, I thank God I'm grateful that I live in a society where vaccines are possible and we can uh, uh, protect ourselves and have the means to protect ourselves for the first in the first place. Um, but with that being said, it is my belief that the, the vaccine status of every person should be their own choice um, and completely up to them without the without bullying, without being pressured or without being forced into doing so. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm uncomfortable with taking the vaccine at this time. I think that we're all different. We all come from different places. We've all had different experiences and hold dear to different beliefs. And uh, what it is that you do with your body when it comes to putting medicine in there uh, should be your choice, um, free of the ridicule and the opinion. This dude is going places. I I don't even know. Is he already a Hall of Famer? Because I I haven't watched basketball since 1983, so I don't know. But he's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love this guy. Yeah. Is this in the ones that I sent you? 
Yeah. So you found uh, okay. Well, I had seen, I had played one of him and the other guy, Bradley Beal, earlier as well. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, sorry, on the early show. So I had seen them, but the different. But, but different. yeah, I mean, thank God, thank God, there are people who have some kind of platform saying this stuff because because it's completely reasonable, you know. And thank goodness he's saying it not just to a reporter in Rolling Stone who's going to misrepresent his comments then in the magazine, but you know, out loud in a press conference with cameras rolling so people can hear what he really said. Because who can disagree with this? Who can disagree with somebody saying, I believe in science, I believe in healthcare, I like doctors and nurses and medicine as much as the next person, but I don't need to take this vaccine right now and I don't know why you're all yelling at me to do so. Like, it's very weird. And like the attitude about the mandating the vaccine and Biden saying we need to get to 97 or 98 percent of the population, which I assume is like everybody who doesn't have a medical exemption, basically. Like, that's a lot of people, 97 or 98 percent of the country. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we have that kind of vaccine coverage for other vaccines, the ones that we give all kids in childhood. I mean, I think more of them opt out. But, you know... I think it's great that there are people saying this stuff out loud and sounding reasonable while they say it and, you know, and coming from all different backgrounds and all different political perspectives because, you know, these are not extreme, outrageous positions. And I think sometimes, like, this hysteria of, like, politicizing everything just makes it seem like, you know, that everybody's some, like, ivermectin-swilling lunatic. And this guy, along with... A bunch of these college kids saying F Joe Biden at stadiums, mm-hmm. along with a cross-section of this country, including people who want to stop being called Latinx, are going to be the next counterculture movement. And because all the authority figures are big government, intelligence services, big tech, mm-hmm. academia, those it, it, all trying to nip free speech. And you've got these people pushing back, saying enough of I don't want to, you know, you're whether they're being bullied by Rolling Stone magazine mm-hmm. or shut out of social media because Jen Psaki flags something in Facebook. People have had enough, and it makes me excited, especially when you hear voices like that guy right there. Gets right. Very excited about uh, what we've got going uh, in the future. I don't know. Yeah, we were talking about it the other day that, you know, it's it's a weird feeling a little bit but it's almost like there's a little bit of hope in the air that mm-hmm. not everyone's insane uh that the tide is turning that they can't just you know tar all republicans or conservatives or even all people who don't want to take the vaccine with this brush of being you know evil white supremacist crazy people and that you know that their their like Potemkin village is falling mm-hmm. down of all the this like fake narrative that they've built up that like Trump was mean at the border and Trump was unhinged on da- and dangerous on foreign policy and that you know he was going after his political enemies or that he was working <laughs> with foreign governments or whatever else like I mean literally everything they say about Trump is you know it's is made up is a lie and. And, you know, and people start to see it like they're going too far. Like he said about the media, he didn't sound like a person who hated the media before he set out on this journey. Like he talked to the Rolling Stone person. But 
those types of actions that they do when they like just misrepresent someone's words and make them out to be a crazy person when they have a completely reasonable position, that radicalizes more people than anything. You know, they complained a lot that Donald Trump attacked the media. They attack themselves. They destroy their own credibility more every day with every stupid story they publish than, than, you know, Donald Trump could do in a million years. Donald Trump doesn't control people's perceptions of the of the media. Are you suggesting that the media, Alice, has dropped the ball? Love your dogs. Yeah, thanks. Champ's an old one. He's got Which one's the old one, President? <laughs> Ice cream and Cincinnati. Yeah, raspberry chip. I don't, I don't think so, but we'll have to. I don't know. <laughs> now I really want. I'm sure he he's aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, what did you order? Chocolate, chocolate chip. Oh. oh. Yeah. oh. What is your message to Republicans who are prepared to block the January 6th commission? Eat some chocolate, chocolate yeah. chip. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Thank you so much again, everyone. You guys make me feel hopeful, too. The fact that you guys are out there listening and commenting and emailing us and stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We're also at BurnBarrelPodcast.com, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel. Uh, you can email us. That's BurnBarrelPodcast at gmail.com. We are the Burn Barrel Podcast on Gab and on Parlayer. We have video channels on YouTube and on Rumble, all those places. Leave an Apple Podcast review if you get a chance. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.